For the News and Observer, I'm Brian Murphy, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. For the next few weeks, in addition to our twice-a-week schedule of regular podcasts, we'll be hosting a special edition of Under the Dome focused on another podcast. Yes, it's all very meta. There is a new podcast from Serial and the New York Times called The Improvement Association, which is focused on Bladen County and the 2018 election fraud in the 9th Congressional District election there. So when they release a new episode, we will release a new episode talking about some aspect of the event or the episode. Think of ours as a companion piece. This is episode three. Episode three of the Serial Podcast focuses on allegations made against the Bladen Improvement Association PAC, a group of black Democrats led by Horace Munn. I'm joined today by the insiders, Colin Campbell, who interviewed Zoe Chase, the reporter and host for the Serial Podcast. And this is a good time to discuss her because she spends a lot of time talking in episode three about her investigation, her reporting, her theories. So so welcome aboard, Colin. Hey, thanks for having me on. Now, let's start there. You, you spoke with Zoe earlier this month, and we have some clips. Let's start with how she talks about using fraud allegations as a weapon in Bladen County. They get brought into it because election fraud accusations are often wielded at each other um, from some of the white political establishments. Um, at the black political establishment in right back. But there's there's basically what I'm trying to say is there's like a deep, deep distrust <laughs> that um that exists um at least in the political realm um between white and black. That's historical. Um and so election fraud accusations in that context can be used as weapons. Yeah. So in that clip, I mean, it, it definitely is a theme of this whole thing is that it, it seems like this um, issue in Bladen is this back and forth between, you know, when the Cray Dallas and the folks working for the Mark Harris campaign got caught, um, they wanted to, to point out this this other group working on behalf of mostly Democrats, the Bladen County Improvement Association uh, was allegedly doing the same thing. Um, of course, Zoe Chase's investigation so far seems to indicate that, you know, they didn't really, uh, they were investigated and they didn't ultimately do anything wrong um, that that was established in this. And this is such a, I mean, this is such a common thing in politics these days. I mean, you and I experience this when we write a story that, you know, is, is critical of one politician or the other. The response from, you know, the political party whose politician doesn't look go- so good in a news article is not to defend that politician. It's always to be like, well, what about the other political party who did this thing? Why are you not writing about that? And I mean, this is sort of the, the same thing at a, at a local level, because it seems like, you know, everybody she talks to in Bladen that's, you know, associated with McCray Dallas and the folks that got caught, it's always, well, why aren't you looking into this other side? And then she does pretty extensively, it sounds like, and, you know, doesn't really come up with anything, you know, all that nefarious, um, at least in terms of what the law says. And this is not new. I covered every minute of the of the 2018, or I guess it was in 2019, the state board hearing about this and that was and, and the run-up to it and that was the the defense even back then was it you shouldn't be looking at McCray Dallas you should be looking at this Bladen County Improvement Association um and, and you know if, if you've been following the serial podcast this goes back to the 2010 election for sheriff in Bladen County and so and what what it you know at least as a somewhat interested outsider and and I covered a little bit of it you get this sense that it just sort of escalates and escalates from 2010 to 2012 to 2016, and finally, you know, kind of culminating in 2018. But one of the first things she investigates, you know, during this podcast is some allegations about a nursing home in Bladen County. 
Um, she talks to a, an investigator for, for the state board who looked into these allegations. What and what I found so fascinating and, and why that where she talks about fraud being fraud allegations being used as a weapon is it's really hard to disprove something, uh, especially if everyone in town believes it. Um, you can say, well, I talked to this person and this person and this person. Here's the facts. Here's what I found. But it seems like nobody nobody believes. It. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating, too, is, I mean, you know, the, the Bladen County Improvement Association, as Zoe Chase mentions in the podcast, came up as a, you know, potential thing to look into during the 2018 election hearings. Um, and they evidently did look into that after the fact and nothing came of it. But I don't remember, maybe you may have seen something, but I don't remember ever seeing a, a big press release from the state board of elections saying, Hey, we've looked at this group and we've pretty much exonerated them. They didn't do anything wrong. It, it was just sort of left out. This as this lingering source of suspicion and they never really got formally cleared in any way that I can recall. Yeah. And we, we've seen this even to this day as, as the podcast has come out, um, a key Republican aide in the in the state legislature, and you know a little bit more about this than I do, has basically said, "Look, this serial podcast kind of proves that the Bladen County Improvement Association broke some laws." Uh, there was back and forth on Twitter between this aide and 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 the serial producers, and I'll let you explain it. But the, if if the thought of that this started in 2010 and ended in 2018, that is wrong. It start it may have started in 2010, but it, it has not ended. Yeah, because so much of the the sort of semantics about what did or didn't happen in Bladen County feeds into the the changes in the the election law here in North Carolina, and this is sort of where this uh, exchange on Twitter comes in about the podcast. So this is Brent Woodcox, who um, pretty well known uh, conservative figure on uh, on Twitter, but he's a a top advisor to state legislative leaders here in North Carolina. He's been really active uh, as an advisor on election law policy. So in a sense, he's he's at least had a hand in crafting a lot of the election legislation here. And so he's accusing Serial of essentially uncovering uh, criminal activity on the part of the Improvement Association, but not realizing, uh, understanding the law well enough to uh, call that out for, for what it was. And so he's saying that essentially in one of the episodes um, where the Improvement Association admits that uh, they would get a stack of absentee ballot request forms that they had uh, solicited from um, different folks in the community, and they would drop that off at the, the Board of Elections office. He's saying, well, you know, obviously that's that's patently illegal. Uh, they should be investigated for that. Um, but I went back and listened to the podcast, and it, it seems like when she's referring to that particular instant, that scenario, it's actually years and years ago, and the law only changed in response to the 2018 scandal uh, to where now, you know, either you yourself have to go drop that off, uh, request form off in person, or it has to be like a close relative. It can't be um, some sort of community group that got a stack of 20 of them and is bringing them all in at once. Um, so as long as that didn't happen in the 2020 election, which doesn't seem to be spelled out as, as being the case in the podcast, they're probably okay on on that, uh, having done that in the past. But that, again, comes in where the, the suspicion and stuff is, is created. So there was some clarification made by the serial folks in response to this uh, Twitter thread. Uh, but again, it just, you know, there's so much stuff in the law that can sort of play into that. Um, and that sort of brings to another clip of uh, one of the things I asked Zoe in the interview we did a couple weeks ago was, what is it about Bladen County, North Carolina specifically, that makes it such a fertile ground for this type of election fraud scandal? Um, and what part of her answer was about North Carolina specifically and just how the, the law keeps changing. And you've got these what are essentially gig economy workers, uh, both for 
McCray Dallas's group and also for the Improvement Association who are just, you know, making a few bucks an hour to uh, inv be involved in these get out the vote operations. Um, and that creates this confusion. So I'll, I'll let her um, explain how that plays into this. This is like a North Carolina thing. The rules have changed a lot in voting in North Carolina, you know, like even just like there was a moment where you had to have two witnesses on an absentee ballot. And then because of COVID, it changed to one. And just when rules keep changing like that, and you have just like, you know, people who are regular people who have regular jobs or regular lives, like trying to thread the needle on all of those rules, I think that that is then like fertile ground for people to make mistakes. <laughs> and then if somebody's making a mistake, and then somebody else is doing something that's actually criminal, um, you know, like if they can sort of like try to cover it up as a mistake, like the actual voting procedures, I think, because um, this is probably true in other states, it's just that I know about North Carolina. Um, because the voting procedures have changed, like that, lead, that, that can like trip people up, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a key part of it. And it and it's part of the reason this sort of whole thing, I think, is going to continue because you have um, election law changes every couple of years. There's been um, a proposal this year um, that is, has not made its way through the legislature, but probably will uh, involving the deadline uh, for absentee ballots to be received at the Board of Elections. Uh, that was a big issue in the 2020 election uh, in North Carolina. Uh, Republicans want to make sure the elections board can't change the uh, deadline in response to an emergency in the future. So that's going to be a big fight this year. Um, and it's probably going to create some more confusion among these people on the ground who don't necessarily know the ins and outs of the law and, you know, maybe interpreting them incorrectly and ultimately breaking the law. And one reason that this, this podcast is so timely is that we just went through all this in 2020 at the presidential level. Exactly. I mean, it's it, it's the same, the allegations back and forth and the allegations sort of become the truth in the, in the absence of a, a really definitive, oh, hey, this didn't happen. You know, this group is not responsible. Because um, like Zoe Chase says in the podcast, it's a whole lot easier to throw out the accusations than it is to definitively disprove them and say with 100% certainty, nothing nefarious happened here. I watched a documentary on the QAnon, uh, you know, conspiracy, but it, it sort of feeds into some of this. And I'm not saying this is QAnon, but when when everything becomes, well, that, you just didn't look far enough or that judge, you know, there were all these cases about election fraud in 2020. Well, that judge is, is a Democrat. Like everything becomes a reason for the conspiracy theory to be believed as opposed to evidence that it's not true. And, and that's what I think you, you hear if you listen to this episode of Serial, she's she talks to the person who investigated the claim. He says he talked to the nursing home. He says he talked to this person and that person and has like definitive proof that this didn't happen. But that's not good enough for the people making the allegations. They think that he's biased. They think that Zoe Chase is, is biased or she hasn't looked hard enough or they think it made it up to the elections board and they didn't do enough. Like there's there's. Even evidence that you would seem seem to contradict the allegation just becomes more evidence of of the cover up and the wider scheme. Yeah, and that's where I think it's going to be really hard at a national level to restore you know bipartisan trust in the the whole election system. Is it there's just always going to be that? Uh, but what about this? But did you look into that? And was that person really doing their job? Did they look at it thoroughly? Because I'm not convinced they can prove to me that you know 
allegation X didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I don't know where that stuff, sort of stuff ends. I think we're kind of going to be stuck with this for at least the next few election cycles, if not, you know, well into the future. Yeah. And it, it's somewhat, de- uh, you know, as a member of the press, as you are, it's somewhat dangerous when, when facts, uh, see, you know, aren't, and we can argue over what facts are, but when you, you present what you think is the truth and that's only taken as more evidence of a cover-up, it makes it very difficult. And I feel like you get even more of a blowback if you present something in sort of the fact check, fact type formats. I mean, uh, you, you watch a, a fact check article get just get skewered on social media um, because people just get really angry that you called their side false and tried to make a, you know objective, definitive claim about a particular thing that was said. Um, so it, it's really hard to, you know, who, who can be the ultimate arbiter on these things? I, I think the answer is probably no one. No one has that level of authority and that level of, you know, respect and credibility to be able to completely say, yeah, you say this thing happens absolutely, without a doubt, did not happen. And, and that's sort of what has fed this entire this entire thing in Bladen County. There, if you've listened to the first three episodes, there have been whispers on both sides uh, that, that you know the, the Improvement Association has been doing this and doing this, and that was sort of used as justification for what I assume is going to come in the next few episodes, and, and that's the 2018 case. And and even before that, you know, um, as somebody who covered what happened in 2018, you only had to look back to 2016 and see that the candidate associated with McCray Dallas got an inordinate number of absentee ballots. Um, in his election. Now, he didn't win. I think he finished third, and that's why it didn't become a national story. But um, the seeds of what happened in 2018 um, certainly go back to 2010, as this podcast points out. But in 2016, it, it was pretty obvious what was happening as well. Yeah. And that was the whole, you know, it came up where McCray Dallas was actually making the allegation about the Improvement Association over, um, you know, if you remember back to that, that was when Pat McCrory was uh, losing by narrow margin. The election hadn't been called in favor of Roy Cooper. And so McCrory and the Republican Party were looking for uh, examples of people who had, you know, voted improperly. And Bladen County was one of the ones they seized on. And in fact, that was when I first encountered Zoe Chase was she was down here to report that story. So that was her first introduction to North Carolina. She actually um, got breakfast with me at Big Ed's to discuss the the case before she went down to Bladen to start do her, doing her first round of reporting. And you know, here we are five, almost five years later, and, you know, she's still reporting on the same thing, and it's still, you know, making waves from this, you know, relatively small county. I went down there to hit the state park uh, a couple weeks ago for my, my first, you know, recreational visit to that area, and it's it's really small. Um, you know, it's a tiny portion of North Carolina's population to make such big waves on, on sort of the statewide and, and national election scene. One of the things that she points out in this episode, and it sort of culminates, um, is that she talks about one of one of the reasons she wanted to do this podcast is that during that hearing, and I, I was there every day, there's a there was a very brief mention of the Bladen Improvement Association. Um, Lisa Britt, who is related, I, I guess a stepdaughter of McCray Dallas, testified that that Horace Munn, who leads the Bladen Improvement Association, I know there's a lot of characters here, but um, that he had been in McCray Dallas's office. Now they're sort of sworn enemies at least in the political arena. And, and it would seem very strange that that Munn and Dallas were working together or were having any interactions at all during an election. That struck Zoe Chase as very odd. And that seems to be the impetus for her doing this podcast. We'll play a clip from her right now where she talks about that being one of her biggest unanswered questions. The, I would say the central thing that I didn't understand was like this um, allegation or implication that somehow these these groups have been coordinating 
whatever you call them, race group of, of workers and this other organization. I just, it did not comport with what I knew about the police at all. Um, so that was probably my biggest question. And it is the person that called me to come to Bladen and sort of explain why his group had been um, implicated in that hearing was the leader um, of the of the Bladen Improvement Association PAC. And he was like, I have answers for you to, to your biggest question out of the hearing. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting that she saw that as one of the, the big sort of red flags and unanswered questions in the hearing because it, it gets addressed a little bit in this latest episode of the podcast, but sort of briefly towards the end of the episode where she's talking about um, you know, trying to get to the bottom of this. And this is the the rare point in the podcast where McCray Dallas, who had pretty much declined all of her interview requests, um, there's an audio clip of him on the phone saying, yeah, I don't, you know, Hor- I don't have Horace Mann's number. I don't think he's ever been to my office before. Um, and then this, you know, insinuation that maybe someone saw a, a different black man walking into McCray Dallas's office. And that's where this, this suspicion gets raised. Um, and perhaps the, you know, the reason this came up in uh, the hearing in 2018 at all was just to sort of further raise suspicions of, about this other group. So it'll be fascinating to see if, if this particular topic comes up again later in the podcast, because it, like you say, it's, if it's one of her big unanswered questions, I'd be surprised if it's just, you know, only addressed in this one five minute segment of, uh, of one episode. And that's sort of how the episode ends a little bit on a cliffhanger. So I suspect we're going to get more of that. What, what's fascinating to me is is the the my biggest unanswered question and and the story I probably should have done and would love to go back and do someday it is about Mark Harris. Um, you know, John Harris, his his son testifies that he warned him about McCray Dallas. They had multiple conversations. He sent emails. Uh, John Harris works works uh, for federal. The he's in the U.S. Attorney's office. He clearly knows what he's talking about. He's, he's a lawyer. Um, and before Mark Harris could ever really explain the story, he, he ended up you know, being taken off the stand and then deciding that he would call for a new election and, and the hearing ended. That is my giant unanswered question. It's, it's sort of, the, you know, if I, if, if I could uh, do a podcast, special podcast, would love to know about the decisions that Mark Harris made, given the information that he had. Given that his son had said, don't do this, and that he went ahead and did it, I, I would have loved for the trial or the hearing to have continued just a little bit more to, to tease that out. Yeah, and that's one thing Zoe said to me in the interview was that, you know, she was sort of sitting on in disbelief at that when that was said that he that Harris claimed he had no knowledge of, of this ahead of time. And, and of course, in the, the years since, Harris has kind of faded from the political scene. You don't really see or hear or read anything about him. Um and, you know, he, he also wasn't charged with any sort of wrongdoing. Uh, McCray Dallas has pending criminal charges. Harris has not been in charge with any wrongdoing in this case. So that's the interview I'd, I'd love to hear is, you know, Harris looking back on this two years later and maybe, you know, spelling out a little bit more what he knew and, and, and what he didn't now that, you know, his seat and potential seat in Congress is no longer on the line. The other interesting thing, and, and you know, this this obviously is getting a lot of attention now, given what happened in 2020, and, and this story is still interesting to lots of people. McCray Dallas still faces some sort of trial. I mean, he's he's uh, he's been indicted. There, in theory, should be some trial at some point here in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and like a lot of things in federal courts, it tends to take forever. Um, in the meantime, I think someone pointed out it was the last year, the year before, he was actually on the ballot uh, for a. Uh, 
uh, a seat on the Soil and Water Commission in Bladen County, which was the elected office that, that he held throughout uh, a lot of this time. Uh, somebody was pointing out that uh, they learned who cast the first absentee ballot in Bladen County and either last year, or the year before his election. And it was McCray Dallas because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been tried yet. So he's not considered a criminal. He still has all his rights to vote and run for uh, public office um, and still seems to be a, you know, interesting figure in, in Bladen County politics for sure. I'll leave you with this question. And, and you're someone who you cover the entire state. I mean, I know you read uh, lots of small papers all across the state. I know you travel the state pretty extensively. Um, how many other Bladen counties are out there? I, you know, there's 100 counties in North Carolina. How many counties is something similar to this happening in? Or do we really did stumble on the one place in North Carolina where this is, you know, rampant? Oh, I think a lot of these small counties have this dynamic. It, a lot of it, I think, is going to come down to the counties that have this particular racial dynamic um, where you have, you know, the, the more the the, um, the white population in a lot of these small rural counties shifts Republican, the more there's this partisan divide between them and the black community in these places that tends to skew uh, Democratic. And the more you've got close to a 50-50 split or a 60-40 split uh, between the, the racial makeups. Um, and we've got a lot of counties in eastern North Carolina that pretty have have a sizable African-American population that sort of exceeds the 20% or so of the overall state population. And I think anytime you have that dynamic, you're going to have the seeds of this distrust. Um, and you've seen this in a couple other sheriff's races over the years. I think Columbus County sort of comes to mind, uh, Bladen's next door neighbor, um, as one of these uh, where these sort of tensions boil up to the surface. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time before it happens somewhere else. And I think the fertile ground for it really is these, you know, racially mixed, uh, politically polarized, small rural counties east of I-95. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And, and certainly this window into what's happening in Bladen, which, you know, we talk a lot about the political what's happening in Bladen. That gets a lot of news um, in the rest of the state. But Bladen County has been hit extremely hard by, by a series of these hurricanes, never having really recovered from the first one before getting hit, I, I believe, by Florence. Um, th there are some other issues happening in Bladen County. We, we talk about Bladen County's through a political lens a lot. On the ground there, you know, a lot of these residents are suffering. Yeah, and they're close to that. Um, if you recall the the Keymore's um, PFAS spill, the chemical spill into the water supply in the, the Cape Fear River, that's right on the edge of Bladen County. So uh, there's environmental issues down there. Um, there's a lot going on, and it sort of escapes the state's attention unless a, a major um, election is at stake. Well, thanks, Colin, for joining. That'll wrap up our special episode of Under the Dome about the serial podcast on the Bladen Improvement Association. We'll have a new episode of Under the Dome for each episode of the Serial Podcast. And we've got other coverage planned at newsobserver.com. For the News and Observer, I'm Brian Murphy saying see you next time on Under the Dome. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.